0: Hey, everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. We have been in a series all summer called Rethink, and really talking about reengaging our mind pondering what's real, embracing what truth is, but the key to rethink is this. If it doesn't move to your feet and change you, then there's really no point of thinking about it at all. Knowledge for the sake of knowledge doesn't fix anything, people. In fact, God is not a God of intention. He's a God of action. You can have great intentions, but if it doesn't move to your feet to make a change, to let God work through you to impact another life, then there's really no point at all. And I I will say what I've been saying all summer. I understand when you look at the global reality, which by the way is a biblical uh, forecast, the closer we get to Armageddon people, that is a real moment in time. The world's gonna get to a place where people who once said I'm a believer are now denying God. People are going to walk away from the faith. Families are going to turn against families. Things that are of the sin are going to completely rise to higher, if you will, realities than maybe we're even seeing right now. Our tendency is to say, we don't want that. I get that, but this is not our home. And one more time, this place we call home right now will one day completely be destroyed, every little last inch of it, earth as we know it. Life as we know it will be gone. God is bringing an end date to it. And for those who are true followers, he's going to rebuild heaven on earth. All sin is gone. He's restored the kingdom. And once again, we're back in the garden where he walks with me and he talks with me and that day's coming. This is not our home. Colossians 3, Paul says it. Colossians 3. He says this, we're supposed to live. This is not our home. We're supposed to live with heaven in our heart. And we're to fight for that kingdom, not this kingdom. Now, we we can play it all we want. But the moment you step back and say, Pastor, I don't agree with you, all you've simply said is the word of God is not my authority. I don't trust the truth. I'm not going to make Jesus my follower. Because I didn't say all that. What I just told you is the words of Jesus Christ. Now, you can say that's doom and gloom. No, it's not. I don't want this to be my home. Are you with me? The reason the world is where it is is because mankind doesn't have a clue what it's doing. The reason we're where we are is we think we know best. And anytime we try to live without Jesus Christ as Savior, the word of God as our authority, and the kingdom in our heart, we're going to have problems. But praise be to God, he's overcome. If you know Jesus, It's a good day because it's a new day, and we're going to live God's way, and we're going to take as many as we can with us, and we're going to keep preaching that and keep preaching People go, well, people don't want to hear it. I'm not going to preach what people want to hear. I want to talk about a truth that we need. The Bible says, narrow is the gate, few will find it, which means there's going to be a lot of people going, I just think I know best, and I don't say this with any malice. I don't say this with any sarcasm, but good luck with that. That just means you're blind. That's all that means, you're just blind. But Jesus said, you keep preaching the truth and God and the Holy Spirit has a way of opening up people's eyes. And when people see, light changes everything, doesn't it? It moves from a blind date to a real marriage, you know what I'm talking about? It's a cool thing, all right? And so I I, I get excited about that. And the reason I'm saying all that is because we're wrapping up our series. I love what Noah and Jaden were talking about at our partnership with SEU. This is a moment for you to own this personally and to rethink. It's time for us to rethink. It's time for us, older generation, to quit holding on to what we've known. If you're gonna hold on to anything of the past, may it be one thing, and that's Jesus Christ and him Lord. That doesn't change. And we're not going to adjust this church to fit the culture. The culture doesn't determine where the church is. The church has been established and we're gonna keep preaching truth. People go, well, that that, that doesn't fit in our world today. It doesn't matter with if it fits or not. That truth still will set people free. But when we adjust to the culture, we're gonna be like the culture and that's been our problem. The culture doesn't determine God's bride. The bride sets the pulse for the culture. And so we still believe the word of God is God's truth. We still believe it sets people free. We believe he changeth not and it still works. And we're gonna keep coming back to that over and over again. And what I've learned though is there, this is a moment you need to rethink and make it personal. There is a biblical illiteracy in God's people. Now you, I'm not trying to, to hurt you when I say that, but there's a lot of people who quote the word that isn't the word. See, see the moment that you say, "Well, I've been hurt." Well, your hurt's what crucified Jesus, and that cross is bigger than anything you face. But the moment you hold on to forgiveness, then the Word of God is not, and you're making yourself the focus. You see what I'm saying? The truth sets you free. You have to let go because God let go of yours. And the moment you don't, you're making yourself bigger than Jesus. You got problems. Because he said, I'll have no other gods before me. God's never interested in Keith Lloyd's opinion. He's interested in me dying to self and obeying his truth. Because that truth sets me free. And that's true for you. It's time for the church to rethink. And we quit fighting for what we think is right, and we start owning what God said is right. And so that's what we're doing in our partnership with education. We want you to come. You say, well, I don't need it. Really? We all need to be, my dad's 83 years old. I love my dad, 83, and he's working on his doctorate. Do you know why he's doing it? Because he doesn't need a degree. He's doing it because you never stop learning. My dad, I I, I wish he was here because some of you older crowd is like, yeah, but what do you know? I'm here to tell you, my dad would tell you right now, if you're not learning right now, I don't care how old you are. An 83 year old man would tell you this, you're dead, whether it's physically or spiritually, you're dead. The goal of a sage is not to think they've arrived so they can expound truth to others. It's for them to keep being a learner and letting God then speak through them. And it's something I'm so proud of my dad. I mean, to think, I want to be like my dad. Never stop learning. Billy Graham even said that clear up to the day he was dying. The dude could not see laying in bed. I have friends that know him personally that were in rooms with him. He's laying in bed in 97, 98, he could not see. He was completely blind. And he's laying in bed, speaking, writing books. Constantly having people read to him, not because the word of God just soothes my soul as I'm dying. He, see, he didn't see himself as dying. He saw himself as living and getting ready to go from one place, home with the Father. And so people would speak to him, not to speak to him, that it would, again, soothe his soul. They literally said, speak, read to me. There's always something more to learn. I want to be like that. And I think we all need to be like that. And so I want to encourage you. That's why we're doing in these classes. I want to, the one thing that I could do is we went through COVID and I was like, God, what can I do? I want to do everything I can is, is to grow and to pour into people and to continue to learn, and they learn, and we just keep sharpening that iron for the sake of the kingdom, because the kingdom matters. And so I want to encourage you to really take care of that, and Jade and Noah uh, will talk about more about that at the end here. The second thing I want to let you know is that we're going to give you some cards that there's a, talk about wonderful, positive things that you can go. I love this. If you, want to, if you have friends that say, right now, who's someone that, that you know someone who doesn't know Jesus, and, and they're unchurched, but they're like, listen, I'm not coming to church. How many know someone like that? Okay, some of you are going, yeah, but they're with me today. Do not do that, okay? All right? Don't do that, all right? But this is a bridge event. This is, this is why Brent, who's directing this, is doing this. It's not about trying to be the church. He and I were the, together this week, and we just had an incredible, it was supposed to be 45 minutes, and we went on for an hour and a half and just had a great time, but we talked about bridge events. This is what this is. It's just a bridge event where you can come It's not the church, he will tell you that, but it's an opportunity for someone to come and they make no, there is no apology about it. This is about Jesus Christ. He's an ordained, actually Assembly of God pastor. And uh, he says, listen, this is what I can do to help grow the church. And if you have friends that don't know the Lord, they won't come to church. They'll come to stuff like this. And he shares the gospel at every one of these performances. And I would encourage you, we're gonna, we'll have cards, you can, you can pick them up. Uh, what a wonderful thing to do coming in September uh, in our community, take a friend. I love drama, I love plays. One of the things my, my wife and I love to do is go to New York when we can get out there and go to Broadway. Or to take in Broadway here uh, uh, here in Sioux Falls. And so many of you love your pastor. You've given me tickets to those. And I want to thank you for that. You're godly. And so, um, (laughs) but I really enjoy going to that. I love acting. I just love that. Because you can say things from the stage that you can't say normally. There's something about a story. And we're going to look at one today. There's something about a story that we can crawl into. And Jesus was one of the most vintage, classic, unbelievable storytellers. And so I love a story. In fact, we're going to be doing something. We're not going to tell you about it much now, but come November, we're doing actually in this room, we're doing a dinner theater. And uh, it's going to be awesome. I I can't wait. It's going to be unbelievable. So uh, get ready for that. Last thing I want to share with you is that many of you have been asking about Haiti. And we partner with uh, World Hope. Uh, many of you know Dr. Joanne Lyon, who's, who's my mentor. She's a big part of my life. Uh, she actually started World Hope. Her son now has just taken it to another planet. Uh, and immediately they were called in to be a part of the relief effort. They're on the island of Loganoff, uh, which is right off, if you will, where all of the destruction took place. She reached out to me and she said, listen... We're in the early stages of it. There's so much destruction. You've probably been watching. We have video and things that you can go to our website and look at. Uh, It just breaks your heart. You know, by the way, if you're sitting here right now and you're thinking, golly, man, I have it so bad. I mean, you think about what Haiti's gone through in the last decade. I mean, if there's ever a people that has a right to go, man, God doesn't like us. I mean, 80% of the people in that, on that, on that country make less than a dollar a day. And yet when I was down there at the first earthquake, I went down as part of the first response and walking around, you, you can't, I mean, they've lost everything, family and every, and, and yet they're so, so unbelievable, grateful and the greeting we had from people that is just, it'll break your heart. You know, schools, three three-story schools that were a pancake. I'm on one side looking across at Corey Vins on the other side, and it was full of children, and they're trying to figure all this thing out, and yet they're just they're just so full of joy. And I I remember a mom. We were at uh, one of the uh, camps there. It's the uh, size of a football field, 5,000 people on it, and there's a mom there. And the missionary with us was telling me, don't take it. She's holding her baby. She wants me to hold her baby. He says, she doesn't want you to hold her baby. If you take that baby, you'll look at the baby and she's gone. Because she knows in the next 30 days, her baby will die in her hands. She knows you're the only hope. And I'm like, I'm just weeping. And he says, don't touch that baby. And, And... you know, when, you, when you're a part of stuff like that, we don't, we don't get that here. We don't even begin to understand that. And so I love what Joanne says. You know, there's people who have actually said to her, man, we've given so much to Haiti. I mean, what's the use anymore? Christian's saying that. And I love what Joanne says. She says, listen, we're still about the broken and the homeless and the, and the, and the poor. And poor people, didn't, they didn't ask for an earthquake. So they still need help. And so, I just want you to know, church, this is why your giving so important. We don't we don't give to this church. You know, people go, "Oh, you always talk about tithing." You just don't get it. If that offends you, I'm just going to tell you, it's not an issue of the church. It's an issue of your heart. You do what you want with it, because I'm here to tell you, we give in this church all the way through COVID. We've given tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands away. And she calls up and she says, "Can can your church just give us ten thousand? We're getting started." And I love our leadership here because we gave them twenty. And we just said, listen, you, this is a church that cares about people. And so that, that check went out. I love our team. and We have a huge, if you will, uh, gift to, to make sure, a giving pool, if you will, of just giving and giving and giving. And we're going to be a part of that. And, and you need to know that there could be some opportunities for some of you going down. Okay? And we'll keep you posted on that. It's a very dangerous situation right now, but there's a lot of work to be done. And so, but you need to know what I love about World Hope. They won't allow you to be the distribution. You might be the setup getting stuff off planes as it's coming in. But World Hope's all about, if you're going to help Haitian people, then you train the Haitian people. Wherever they're at, they raise them up. All the doctors that are going across are trained Haitian doctors. All of the relief effort are, are people that can speak the language, who understand that listen, it's not coming from here, it's really coming from here. And it's amazing what they're doing. And so I just want you to know, we're, we're involved. Whatever it takes, we're gonna be about the plight of people around the world because it's all about the kingdom. Amen. When it's all said and done, it's all about the kingdom. And so I just wanna say thank you. Thank you for being the body of Christ. And because some of you, you you'll never be called to go but you've been a big part of going because you're investing in others. And I can't thank you enough. So church, thank you. From my heart, thank you for being such a church says we care about other people. So wow, it's cool. If you've got your Bibles, I wanna invite you to go to John three, John three. As you go in there, I wanna tell you a little story. It's a, it's a man who lived in England alone. His name is William Dixon. Let me say it again. William Dixon lived in England alone well you need to know though alone now he was married his first wife died he got remarried and his second wife died along with his only son one day the house next door caught fire the elderly owner was able to get out he knew her but her orphaned grandson was trapped So William did what he would naturally do, because this is the man he was. He immediately climbed an iron pipe, think about that, that was still attached on the side of the house. He found the boy, got the boy, and lowered him to safety. However, his hands and his arms were badly burned. And it wasn't but a few months later that the boy's grandmother died. The townspeople wondered who would take care of the boy. Two volunteers, a friend of the family, And William Dixon himself appeared before the town council. When it came time for William Dixon to argue that he could take care of the boy, he said nothing. He simply held up his scarred hands and arms and then sat down. When the vote was taken, the boy was given to him. The chairman of the city council said these words, Sir, the scars in your arms are proof of your love for the boy, as well as your promise to take good care of him. Now church listens very carefully. The Bible tells us of the same story. The scars of Jesus are proof that God loves you. He loves you. As well as his promise to take really, really good care of you. No greater love that you would lay down your life, and he did. The question is, and I'm not asking you to respond, do you really believe that? I want you to think about that right now. It's so easy in America to say, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus. He died for my sins. I want you to think of the person you don't like the most. Would you die for theirs? So do you really believe what Jesus did for you? Because if you got it, you have to give it. If you really get what Jesus did, you have to give that to others. Because the Bible says we were all enemies of God. That's what the Bible says. Some of you go, well, I was never an enemy of God. Let me tell you what an enemy is. An enemy is someone that cannot in and of themselves get to where they need to go. No one in this room gets to heaven because of who you are. No one. We're all destined for hell. That's the best we can do. If you see Jesus and he says, well done, my good and faithful servant, it's only because of what he did. End of story. And that's what we're gonna talk about and look at this story, an incredible encounter with a man named Nicodemus. He comes to Jesus at night. I love it, the first Nickelodeon. <laughs> it was so great. It's where it all began, you know, Nick at night. All right, you thought it was a television show, okay? But for me, he came. So listen to this, I don't know why he came at night. You can read commentaries, you can read books, everybody has an idea. But at best, they're just an idea. No one really knows. All they can do is suggest an opinion based on what they've studied. But the reality for me is when you're all said and done, I don't care why he came. I don't care when he came. I don't care where he came. The fact that he came, and I think all of us would agree, here's the deal. When you're looking for Jesus, there's no better place to be than that. (laughs) He came. He came. And I want to say this. I don't know why you, you tuned us in. I don't know why you're watching right now. I don't care. I'm just glad you're on. See, I don't care why you're in this room. Some of you are going, well, I don't want to be here. I'm just here to shut my wife up. You know what I mean? You know what Sweetheart, all the wives look at me if that's true, okay? I'm just glad he's here. See, I, 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 don't, I don't care. What I know is that he does. And he loves you more than you can imagine. He's not against you. It might feel like that. Be, I'm, I'm sure you might have questions going, well, if he's such a good God, why? It's a great question. But I want to compliment you. You're here. You know why? Because you're still asking why. And God, God's grateful for that. I'm sorry for anything you've gone through. I'm just glad you're here. I'm sorry if people have hurt you. You ready for this? Even if that person's me. I'm truly sorry. I'm just glad you're here. I'm glad you're, you're tuning in. Maybe it's this last desperate moment. Well, desperation, God invites. Glad you're here. Those who hunger and thirst will be satisfied. That's what my Bible says. So whatever reason, I'm okay with that. I'm okay right now if you say, I'm not even sure there is a God. You know what, God? God's okay with that. But you're here you know why you're here because you're still hoping there is and i think today he wants to say listen i'm going to show you i am so i'm really glad you're here okay i'm just glad you're here and that's the story of nick now if you have your bibles in john 3 we're going to begin in the first verse but i want everybody to look at the screen and i want to i want you to say with me again Out loud. I want you to just if you whatever whatever your device you're doing it on, maybe it's the actual word, but maybe it's on, if you will, through a device, your cell phone, or maybe you got a tablet with you. I don't I think I don't care about that. I'm just glad it's the word of God, right? Whatever, whatever way it comes. But I want you to hold on to that right now. I want you to look at your screen and want you to read with me nice and loud. Your word, O Lord, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Therefore. I will hide your word in my heart that I would not sin against it. Father, I want to thank you that we have the privilege to be in this room right now. We have a privilege to be in this room even by camera. People all around, not just the city, but in places all around the world are actually on right now. I'm humbled by that. But God, we desperately need you, not me. We need your spirit to speak. People don't need to hear me, they need to hear you. You love, you care, there's no one on right now that you're mad at, disappointed, down on. You love in a way that I can't even fathom. God, I pray right now our words of gratitude to that is simply to say, okay, I'm listening. So Lord, have your way, speak. In Jesus' name, amen. John chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Here's what it says. Now, there was a Pharisee. who? Okay, hold on to that. A man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. We'll come back to that in a moment. That's a big deal. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. Interesting, isn't it? For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born again. Do not miss it. These are the words of Jesus. Very truly, I tell you, in other words, emphatically, like there is no other way. No one will see the kingdom of God without being born again. How can anyone be born when they're old? Nicodemus asked, surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Boy, boy, I've heard people stop and go, God, this, dude, this dude's supposed to be smart. Anybody knows that. It's like you're not going to crawl back inside your mom, you know, and everybody know that. But you need to understand something. Let me, let me, let me phrase another way. How can anyone be born when they're old? Nicodemus said, surely they cannot enter a second time. Look what Jesus answered, very true that I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. What is Jesus saying? Listen, going to church ain't going to make it. Having your name on a membership row ain't going to cut it. By the way, if it did, if that actually worked, then what's the point of Jesus in the first place? It kind of makes all religion pretty much heresy, and we just drive you just throw it away. True. But the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows where it blows, wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you can't tell where it comes from. We should know that in South Dakota. <laughs> Except we all know where it's coming from, right? You know, in Nebraska, we, I, we'd always say it this way, you know, Iowa blows and Colorado sucks, right? And we're just—just <laughs> just, That's what we'd always say, but... But you hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Well, how can this be? You're an Israel's teacher, said Jesus. You don't understand these things. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the son of man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, as the son of man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. You want to read it out loud with me, you can. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Wow. But notice the next verse. Do not miss this. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. People stop and say, well, he's such a loving God. How can he send anyone to hell? He doesn't. They send themselves to hell. He built the bridge, but he ain't going to make you cross it. He came to bring people to heaven that none would perish. Why do people perish? Because for some reason, there's just some people who don't want to spend forever where God is. That's just odd. He says this, but to save the world through him, whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they've not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of a light because their deeds were evil. All those who do evil hate light and will not come into the light for fear. Look at this. For fear that their deeds will be exposed. And that's a big thing. That's called pride. But those who live by the truth, those who live by the truth come into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Someone say amen to that. So if you got your notes, want to take them out, and I want to give you three truths that we need to rethink about salvation. What does it really mean to be a follower of Jesus? What is this salvation thing all about? We're going to learn from Nick at night, okay? We're going we're to learn from him three things that salvation is not. And then we're going to look at how do you be saved really? Here's the first thing. Who you are will not save you. Say that with me. Who you are will not save you. I love this story. It's about a woman who went to an ice cream shop. She's placing her order when she turned around, and a very famed actor, an actor she adored, is standing right behind her. Now, as you can imagine, she's starstruck. You probably know what I'm talking about. Like, like when you're standing next to Pastor Reed, right? Okay. He's <laughs> like, ah. You know? you know, it's funny when people are with me, they're just like, he talks, you know. Anyway, but, but, but okay, only a couple of you got that. But, But they took her money, she paid for ice cream, she picks it up and she walks to the door, still captured by this man's presence. When she got to the door, she noticed she didn't have her ice cream. She must've forgotten it at the counter. So she began to make her way back to the counter when the actor walked right up to her and says, you don't have your ice cream, do you? Embarrassed, she goes, no. I must have left it at the counter. He goes, "No, no, no! You didn't forget it. You stuck it in your purse." <laughs> okay. This is our Nicodemus. I-, I want you to catch it. He's the actor. You need to understand who's standing there with Jesus. Let's just set Jesus aside for a second because you need to understand who Nicodemus was. He was the man. That's who this man was. He was the who among whose. He's a part of the Jewish council. Now think how big the Israeli world was back then, the Jewish world. He's part of a council that's made up of only 71 men. This is the elite among the elite. That's who the Pharisees were. And if you don't get that, you'll never understand the encounters that Jesus has with the Pharisees. He held the highest power in the known Jewish world. You could call him the Jewish Supreme Court. They made the decisions for everyone. The only thing they couldn't do was take a man's life, why they needed Pilate. It's the only thing they couldn't do, anything else they could do. So this was our Nick Ademus. this is who he was. And if you don't get that, it's really hard to understand what's going on in this moment. So I want you to look at someone right now, and truly, I want you to look at him and say, you know who I am, come on, look at him, come on. Some of you are dying to respond, here's your response, okay, here you go. Look back at him and say, uh, a sinner that needs grace, okay. <laughs> right. You see, this is what Nicodemus had to learn. What you've what you got to capture is this. Nicodemus isn't approaching the counter, turning around and looking and going, oh, that's Jesus. He literally is expecting Jesus to go, oh, that's Nicodemus. Now, you, you might think that's not a big deal. You may want to search your heart. Because if you don't see yourself as that, my guess is there's probably someone in the world, not the one above, you wish you could be. Young boys dream this all the time, if I could just be the next Michael Jackson, Michael Jordan, Michael Phelps. As if you got to be named Michael. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> But, but it is a good name. I'm sorry. Michael Jackson, Michael Jordan, Michael Phelps, Michael Freeman. You know. yeah. Michael Loy, Michael DeVries. I mean, they just call me Keith. It's a nickname. Um, but but you, you with me on this? You need to catch a story because it's a real issue in our world today because I I mean this. I believe there's more people in God's church who want to be like someone else in the world who they say has arrived rather than being the one, the only one, who's alive. See, I don't want to be like anyone else. I want to be me, the one God made me in Christ how about you? Think think about that. Well, God would be impressed if I could just be this, if I could just write the book, if I could just sing the song. God wouldn't be impressed. He gave you the gift anyway. And his gifts are unbelievable. He already knows that. The question is, if I give you that gift, will you use it for my glory or for your own? Because that's what you're going to answer for. Some of you go, well, I don't have a gift. You're going to answer for that because God's going to say this. Why would you hide your gift? Just because the world may not applaud it doesn't mean that I haven't given it. And there might be someone that needs to be touched by it. Who are you to tell me that you have no gift? Everybody matters to God. Nicodemus didn't get this yet. See, this is a big deal. Remember, I told you you're a sinner saved by grace? That's what Rich DeVos would have said. Some of you know who I'm talking about, probably very few. But see, Rich DeVos was a billionaire. He's a billionaire. He was the former owner of the Orlando Magic, also the Amway Corporation. And whenever he would speak, he would never allow anyone to give him a formal induction introduction. When it was time for him to speak, all you can say is, here's Rich DeVos. And he would walk out and he would do his own introduction. You know what he would say? He's a billionaire. He would say, hi, I'm Rich. A sinner saved by grace. Let's talk. See, I'm pretty sure when he died and walked in heaven, God didn't go, Jesus. That's their Orlando Magic owner. <laughs> like, he owned the Amway Corporation. And Jesus be like, huh, forget Amway, how about the way? You know what I mean? <laughs> 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 And the truth and the life. See, Jesus was a, uh, I'm the amway. (laughs) That doesn't disrespect it. I'm just here to tell you. Who you are won't save you. The apostle Paul wrote in Galatians, as for those who consider themselves important, it's of no concern to me, for God is not impressed with mere appearance or title. You know what the Bible says? A lot of popular people will go to hell because he doesn't base Your salvation on your name, he banks it on his. It's not about you. Who you are ain't going to save you. Here's number two. What you know cannot save you. See, our Nicodemus most likely had the entire Old Testament memorized. Anybody in the room? Because to be one of those 71 Pharisees, it was required that you have it entirely memorized. Now think about that. This guy was a smart guy. He was like a Doogie Howser of his day. You know what I mean? I don't know if you know this. Some, A few others get that one. <laughs> Doogie? Who's Doogie? Anyway, <laughs> I only do that for the younger generation to have to start talking to the older generation. You know what I mean? So, but did you know that according to Statista, which is the portal for current marketing, okay, 74 zettabytes of data have been created thus far in 2021. I know some of you are going, huh? That's up from 59 zetabytes in 2020 and 41 zetabytes in 2019. Now you go, what's a zettabyte? Okay, it's a trillion gigabytes. Basically, for, for all of you and for me, it's a lot of information, okay? <laughs> That's just a lot, but here's what's crazy. of the world's data, 90% of the world's data, 90% of the world's data has been produced in the last two years than in all of history. Did you know that? It's an explosion of information. It's known as big data. Did you know it? It's called big data. And it completely transformed our world. Would you agree with that? But I'm recommending we don't need big data, we need big dada, okay? <laughs> to transform our lives. Because it's not what you know, but who you know that will save you. See, with all this information, I don't believe our world's gotten better. You do what you want with it. IBM economist, Joseph Frankman, okay? said that the computer, you've heard me say this before, but he said that the computer would bring about a 20-hour work week, thus creating a mass leisure class. That's worked. <laughs> I know some of you are going, I love it. I have all this time now. Okay. The cell phone in February of 2021, a new study came out. The cell phone on average in this country is used six hours a day on average. Six hours of your time, you're on the phone. And that does not include work-related activities. You know what that does? It means we become more codependent here than we have here. And I'm going to remind you again, we're in the people business. We're in the people business. So I remind you, what you know can't save you Because if that was true, we'd be all saved right now. There are 130 million unique books in the world. Did you know that? And 2,700 new books are added every day are being published. We're information overloaded. And yet Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes 1, I am wiser, more knowledgeable than any of the kings who ever ruled in Jerusalem. But I have learned firsthand, finish it with me, it's like chasing the wind. Nicodemus knew plenty and yet he knew nothing at all think about that the Bible makes it very clear a lot of proper people go to hell a lot of smart people do Paul wrote if I had the gift of prophecy and understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge I'm still nothing without his love here's number three what you have does not save you. With that, say it with me. What you have does not save you. There are almost 52 million millionaires in the world. Did you know it? 52 million millionaires in the world. And the U.S. accounts for 39% of them. Think about that. And yet, it don't mean anything to God. What is it about us that, that, You know, I mean, I I hear it all the time, different things about it, but I'm I'm just crazy. Nicodemus had wealth because he was, he had wealth, but that wasn't his problem, it was his health. You see, his pocketbooks were well, but his heart was hell. Why Jesus said you can gain the whole world and yet lose your soul, why would you do that? See, I want you to listen to this. Heaven's not a train you can buy to get on. Heaven's a train you have to die to get on. So why do we hold on to anyway? What what's the fear? And I'm not talking financial. I'm just saying anything. Why do we why do we hold on to that? Like like why do we why like if we're dating, we get all messed up. Like well you know she might be flirting or he might be flirting. Well if they are, isn't it a great time to find that out? Why are you why do we all do anything just to hang on to you? As if you get them, they're not going to still go do. See, I I don't get us. What is in us that we fear what we could lose and we don't realize what we could gain? I mean, you've heard me talk about It's like the monkey. That's how they catch monkeys. They put a jar. They fill it with all kinds of foods the monkey likes. The monkey puts his hand in and grabs it. He can get his hand in, but now he can't get his fist out. And they just walk up, put a bag over it, and they got a monkey. Say, I don't get it. What's with the monkey that we're just like, Folks, listen to this very carefully. Living life with a closed fist is not freedom. That's imprisonment. But when you let go and let God, that's the key to freedom. That's the key to freedom. And what Jesus meant when he said to be born again, to die to self, so you can be resurrected anew. So salvation is not in who you are, what you know, or what you have. But I want you to listen to this as we close. Something happened in Nicodemus. Something happened in that encounter. This dude had it all. Talk about a man who had it all. Had it all. And yet he shows up two more times in scripture. Just quickly write these down. John 7. He's functioning in his official capacity as a Pharisee. And he speaks on behalf of Jesus as if defending him. Here's what he says. Does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? It made everybody else in the pharisaical, if you will, court angry. But because of who Nicodemus was and he spoke on behalf of Christ, they let Jesus go. But then he shows up in John 19. And he helps Joseph... Of Arimathea bury the body of Christ. He provides all of the burial spices, and then he helps wrap up the body of Christ and place it in the tomb. Now, I, I I'm not going to speak to what really happened. We don't know the full extent. But here's what you need to know, because I'm going to put you on the spot. You can know yours today. You can know your end of your story. Something happened with Nicodemus. That I know, and something can happen to you. And I'll say where I started, I don't care what you've done, I'm just glad you're here. I'm sorry, truly sorry for anything you've gone through or going through, I'm just glad you're here. And I'm saddened if anyone has hurt you even if that person's me, I'm just glad you're here. But I wanna put a little clause on it, but you all know how much I love big butts. okay? but we don't need churches filled with church people anymore. We need the church, the bride of Christ, with fully surrendered, completely devoted followers of Jesus, like Nicodemus, who are born again. So what does that look like? What does that look like? Here's number one, write it down. You have to recognize your need. Say it with me. You got to recognize your need. I'm going to invite the team to come out. There's a story about a man who went to heaven. He met Peter at the pearly gates. (laughs) I always love these stories. But he says, we're doing things a little differently here, sir. You see, we now have a point system. So you tell me what good things you've done, and then I'll tell you what they're worth. And we'll see if you have enough points. Well, said the man, I went to church regularly. Peter's like, that's good, that's good, that's four points. I served on a few committees. That's three points, good for you, that's good. You're doing great, what else? Well, I worked with some teenagers. Wow, that's great. That's 20 points, man, I'm telling you that. <laughs> Back and forth, they went on and on. Finally, Peter said, this is so good. I'm so proud of you. You've totaled up 53 points. Oh, man, thank you. He said, how many points does it take to get into heaven? And Peter said, 3 million. <laughs> Dear God, said the man, are you kidding me? It seems the only way a person gets get into heaven is by the grace of God. Peter goes, exactly, that's worth three million points. (laughs) That's the only reason. I I want to say this, and I want you to repeat it after me. Our good is never good enough. Say it with me. Our good is never good enough. You can have title, recognition, knowledge, and wealth. Won't cut it. The beginning of salvation is realizing who you are, never good enough, and who Jesus is, the one who is. Well then you must number 2 repent of your sins. Say that with me. Repent of your sins. In Luke there's a story of an unknown unnamed woman. Love the story. All we know is that she lived a sinful life like all of us. She came to Jesus and was reclining at a table where he was reclining at a table. She was sobbing. She poured perfume on Jesus' feet and then wiped them with her tears and her hair. And Jesus looked at her and you know what he said? You're forgiven. See, the point of the story is not about where she'd been. The point of the story is that she knew where she'd been and she knew where she needed to be. See, it doesn't matter what you've done. What matters is when you repent. And when you repent, you know what Jesus always says? You're forgiven. We're not sinners because we sin, we sin because we're sinners, which means we need a Savior. So I could care less if you're Michael Phelps or Katie Ledecky. I don't care how good of a swimmer you are. You'll never be able to tread water forever. We need desperate need of a life preserver, a savior. But That brings me to number three. Once you recognize and repent, you have to receive him as Lord. Say that with me. Receive him as Lord, not savior, as Lord. Savior is who he is. Lord is what he wants to be. Do you know what it means to make him Lord? It means you surrender everything. He's he's not a God on a trial basis. Because unless he's above all, has all, and is all, he won't be Lord at all. He's Lord. You seek first the kingdom. That's what we do first. You know what second is? You seek first the kingdom. Amen. There is no second. You just seek first the kingdom. That's what it means to let him be Lord. You know, like Carmen preached, and some of you may not have been here, but one of our, pre- our church planning pastors, it's when you recognize you're willing to let all the chips out of your pocket. Like, you know, you surrendered, but, ah, you know, you're dating someone and probably re- you probably should call it quits right now and let God be the center of it. You put the chip in because God knows. God knows. See, it's whatever's going on, you you let God, when you really recognize who you're not and who he is, and you repent, repentance being in that place, going, okay, God, you're Lord, you're Lord. And he starts going, am I? What about this? And you go, oh, yeah, yeah. What about this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, you're more interested in putting your chips on the table because who you're at the table with. See, it's not about what's in your hand. It's not about winning the game. It's, you can't win against him. You just bet the farm and let him be God. So what's the chip you're holding on to? What's the chip? Here's number four. And then you now reflect sanctified standards, which means Christ lives in you, you live in him, like him. His word becomes your authority, your standard by which you live. You hunger not to argue the word. You hunger to know the word. There's a big difference. That's what we do. We hunger. I don't have all the answers. I'm 56 seeking truth. I love having people around me that challenge me. But they're they're not challenging me to argue so they can tell everybody how wrong I was and how right they are. We're walking together because we want to grow together. So, his word becomes your standard by which you live. His spirit becomes your guide, your voice by which you obey. And your life becomes a tool for him to use in any way, every way possible. Nicodemus was everything, knew everything, had everything, but he didn't know the answer to the test. He thought it was multiple choice. It wasn't, it's just true or false. question is simple will you let me be Lord to her faults <laughs> that's your choice I think something happened in the Nicodemus it was amazing and he was willing to walk away from whatever it was willing to walk away because he realized the one who met that night turned his night to day, turned his darkness to light I believe that how about you I won't pray with you, and I'm asking right now, do you really know him? Like, right, I mean, you, you, you know. If you were to die right now, which could happen? Quit thinking there's a tomorrow. If you died right now, would you stand before Jesus Christ? Would you stand before God? Would you stand there with the Holy Spirit? And would, would you be able to say, I'm home? Would you hear, hear Jesus' words, well done, my good and faithful servant? This is what was prepared for you since the foundation of the world. Welcome home. If you don't, you can. You can right now. So I'm gonna ask everybody to bow their heads. And I'm just gonna ask you in your quiet of your heart. I just want you to say these words, Father. I don't understand it all. I sure want to. I hunger to. I wanna know you. What I know right now is I need you. And what I just learned is you really want me. You love me. You're not mad at me. You're not disappointed in me. You're not down on me. You love me. And so right now, as much as I get, understand, I know who I'm not. And I know who you are and what I need. I surrender my life. I want you to be Lord, which means no matter how difficult how painful today and the days ahead could be, reveal to me the chips that I'm holding on to. Maybe even the ones I don't even know I'm holding on to. All I know is I want my life to be in your care. And for you to lead me. So I surrender. And I say thanks. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button. Take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless.